Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and let us be among probably the last to wish everybody out there a happy new year. It is 2023, Horwat. We started this podcast in, I believe, September of 2018. So it has been a long haul here at the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, but I just want to give a thank you to everybody that took the time in 2022 out of their day to listen to the podcast. We had doubled our previous record in downloads for the show. We had over 50,000 downloads in the year of 2022, including a record-breaking month of December. So we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for tuning in to the tip of the iceberg, and we hope to continue to be part of your day talking Penguins hockey. I didn't realize numbers were that high. Thank you, Berlansky, for checking those. I don't look at numbers often, <laughs> um, but hearing stuff like that is awesome. And yeah, we've been doing this for a long, for what feels like a long time now at least, but I'm sure in comparison to other things, it's not as long. But you know what? doing this twice a week we appreciate everyone that listens as always and uh keep those numbers up and i'll keep not checking them (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm more so on on the on the grind with the checking the numbers and trying to to see everything like that and horwat does that with the uh, the website inside the penguins.com so it's a it's a nice work balance there but let's get into the pittsburgh penguins and before we get into of course today being the nhl winter classic penguins against the bruins we'll talk about that a lot on this episode we're also going to give our new year's resolutions for the pittsburgh penguins in the second segment but before all that we wanted to talk a little bit about the pittsburgh penguins against the new jersey devils on friday evening because now the penguins are on a four game losing streak after dropping that one by a score of four to two Horwat, what did you think of the Penguins' effort going up against New Jersey? Whatever you think of the effort as a whole is going to be overshadowed by that 0-for-9 power play. Yeah. So you can say, yeah, they looked good at 5-on-5. Five five. Quite honestly, the game was a lot closer than it had any right being, given the fact that the Devils are a fast team, the fact that we went 0-for-9 on the power play. We should not have been... Well, first of all, we had nine power play opportunities. We should have been able to score more than two goals in the entire 60. Um, but the fact that both teams were bad, there was 30 penalty minutes in the entire game. There's 60 minutes in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, a little perspective there. But 
the fact that we were able to keep up with a very fast New Jersey Devils team, the fact that that second period got out of hand quickly because it de- because the officials decided to turn it into a referee game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the fact that we were able to stay in is at least a step in the right direction, especially considering the 5-1 to loss on Long Island and then blowing a 4 nothing lead. Um, yeah, sure, it's a step in the right direction, but... I it, again, it all gets overshadowed, overshadowed, overshadowed by going over on the power play. I have no mm-hmm. other words for it. That was the only thing I could focus on the entire game. Yeah, it, it did turn into a rough show. And at this point, literally, with the refereeing of the NHL, the worst thing that could happen is one bad call. Because once they make one bad call, the game's over. They're not going to make another good call the rest of the entire game. Because they're trying so hard to, oh, we got to make a makeup call here. Oh, that was a little too far of a makeup call. We got to make one here. And that's what happened on Friday. And nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see the guy in stripes making an impact on the game more so than some of the players that are actually playing the actual game. So Penguins go 0 for 9. That's just unacceptable. Uh, we, we saw earlier this season that they went 0 for 7 on a power play. And we thought that was unacceptable. Part of me wanted to see them get a 10th opportunity. Because I said, if you could go the perfect zero for 10, that's just comical to the highest extent. But that just, you cannot have that. Especially as we always mention, Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Raquel, Rust, whoever's out there. Ty Smith was on the top power play unit as he got his Pittsburgh Penguins debut. I don't think that you could blame him. I don't think you took that big of a step down from Latang to him. I know that there's a little bit of a chemistry that would be off in that instance. But I thought as far as playing the game... He didn't do too bad. He didn't fill in. You can't point to him and say, well, they did have Ty Smith out there and it was his first game. I thought it was just a complete shit show from the get-go for that entire unit, not just Ty Smith and not just any other else player in particular. I think the whole unit as a whole was just awful. Yeah, I think think there was some visible chemistry uh, disconnects with the Ty Smith thing. Um, But at the same time, you had nine chances... (laughs) You had nine chances to find a little bit yeah. of something. Even the second unit, you know, if you want to bag on the second unit a little bit, obviously they were out there a little, quite a uh, quite a good number too. Uh, and it wasn't even just the fact that you went 0 for 9. You went 0 for 9 and also gave one up. Yeah. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. We're giving up shorthanded goals. An important one at that. It ended up being the game winner. Oh, oh boy. Um, no, it's those are just the opportunities you need to capitalize on. And sure, it became a ref show. I mean, sure. I mean, some of those penalties, by the way, just... I'm shocked Mike Sullivan didn't get fined like Sheldon Keefe did. Yeah. LOL, everybody laugh at the everybody laugh at the Leafs. Love that. I mean, I don't know what Sullivan did. Maybe the league didn't suspend him because they realized, yeah, why is the referee dropping the puck there anyway? Which, by the way, also turned the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they toss a... Uh, a bench penalty to Lindy Ruff for taking too long on a replay decision. Didn't know that could happen. Uh, and just other calls that just kept going back and forth. I don't know. It, when you have that many opportunities, though, and especially ones where it is like Rindy, Lindy Ruff getting one for delay game. Mm-hmm. You know, where not the not the delay game for reviewing a pet for reviewing something. That's fine. That's mm-hmm. gonna happen. But the one where he's looking at a replay, you know, he's looking, he's looking. That's the one you want to score on. There are certain penalties where you want to take more advantage of, I feel like at least, where you could get a bigger momentum swing and take their team way more out of it 
if you score while their coach is already pissed off. Yeah. I mean, that's just a mental part of the game. Mm-hmm. We just took advantage of none of them, mm-hmm. you know? And now I get that the, it, the other thing too, is I fell, fell back on is this is not the same team. This is not the same team that scored in 10 straight. It can't be. It can't be. And then they went 0 for 1 coming out of the Christmas break. All right, one opportunity. We can let that go a little. And then they scored twice last game. The game before, I guess I should say. And by twice, they're both the second unit. Mm-hmm. And again, here we go. We're back to these big dogs not doing anything. And part of that is also, it's it's only been three games since the the Christmas break. And I know the Pittsburgh Penguins came out flat. And we've said as much. We've talked about it as much. But I thought that the effort was a lot better against the New Jersey Devils, especially since it was against a much better team uh, than you saw in the Islanders and the Detroit Red Wings. I saw somebody in the YouTube comments said, you're not giving enough credit to the teams that uh, they played. And I was like, you know what? The Red Wings and the Islanders, they're fine. They could be playoff teams this year. But they're teams that generally the Penguins were playing so poorly against. It should be, yeah, it didn't matter. Like, I don't care. They like If they did that against and had that, uh, against the Bruins today or had that against the, the Devils, the way that they've been playing this season. Okay. You say, well, they got outplayed by a team that's much better than them. That in that instance, that's there, but I don't think the Penguins are that much worse than any team in the NHL, but I, I do think they're better than both the uh, Islanders and the Red Wings. But I, I, I liked the performance. I liked the effort against the Devils, except for the power play unit. Tristan Jari uh, said post game that we're trending in the right direction. Um, I agree with him, but also for Tristan Jari, you mentioned the shorthanded goal that ended up being, I believe, the game winner uh, for Nico Heischer and the New Jersey Devils. You have to have a save there. You can't get beat on that. Like, it was a good shot, but you have to be on your angle. You have to make a save there um, if you're Tristan Jari. I thought he played much better in that game than he did on Long Island. I think it's pretty hard to play as as poorly as he did on Long Island. Um, But again, they're trying to get back on track. They've lost four games in a row, and now... They're heading into the Winter Classic a little later this afternoon to try to get back on track. Horwat, let's let's shift gears to that. The Penguins practiced at Fenway Park yesterday with their Peaky Penguins hats on, as Spit and Chicklets put on, on Twitter. But they made some line adjustments in practice, and they made one last week that we're going to talk about as well. And let's get into that one right now. They moved Jeff Carter, finally. Uh, people have been calling for this for... I would say since at least the playoffs last year, uh, but they moved Jeff Carter from center to wing and bump Teddy Bluger up into the middle as the third line center to join Brock McGinn. Who's on the left side. What did you think of them moving Carter? Um, long awaited, long awaited. I don't know how much of a quote unquote difference it'll totally make because of, um, just the way he's been playing this year. I guess we need the underlying numbers to, we need to see it a few more times for to really get a feel of the uh, the quote-unquote underlying numbers. Yeah, we need to see what kind of production it can or cannot bring. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know really what the issue is with this bottom six, though. I think, obviously, we know what that fourth line is. It's going to, once it gets healthy, it is what it is. That third line's been ugly, though. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, you know, I, I know we've been asking for Teddy Bluger to be moved up to the third line, but at the same time... Now that we have it, now that we see it, we realize what it does to the fourth line, and I get Josh Archibald is still out, but now Ryan Paling is centering, you know, Kapanen and Heinen, who, that should be a difference maker. You hear that line on paper before the season starts, and you go, okay, that's not terrible, actually. I feel like that can uh, do something. Like, 
or at least before last season even, because we saw what Kapanen did. Because we know what Kapanen can be, and that is a fast, uh, pretty good two-way guy whenever he whenever he plays the right way. We know Ryan Paling is now a two-way player, and we know Danton Heinen's got a hell of a shot. Those three together should work out. Mm-hmm. Then you realize it's your fourth line, and you realize why two of those three are down on that fourth line. It becomes a little uglier. So I don't know if I like the move yet. I get it's what we want, but uh, man, it's gotta it's gotta turn into something though. Just because that bottom six has been so ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I like the most about this move is it shows that Mike Sullivan understands that there are players that can be moved. Um, I didn't think that I would see the day where Carter gets moved to wing, Bluger goes up to the third line center role because I didn't think that that was something Mike Sullivan wanted to see. I thought Mike Sullivan said Carter's our third line center unless there are injuries above him and then he'll be moved up. Um, But to see him genuinely move Carter to the wing and you did see a little bit of flash there in that game against the Devils when he created the second Penguins goal because he could. He drove to the net, threw it in front, bounced it off P.O. Joseph who has three goals in his last eight games and the Penguins at that moment uh, were up by a score of two to one. So you've seen... A little bit of reward already. It needs to persist over time. But I like the fact that Mike Sullivan's not afraid to make those moves. He's not living in his fears, as a lot of people like to say. Uh, The next thing I'd like to see is Brian Dumoulin get a healthy scratch whenever the Penguins get at least one of their three remaining defensemen back from the injury list. And then also, we saw that Rust and Raquel switched lines at Fenway yesterday. Don't be afraid to take Jake Gensel off the top line. Because that's something else that I don't think Mike Sullivan has done just willingly because also Jake Ensel's not really needed to be taken off the top line. But if you look at the way that he's performed, he's kind of on a scoring drought. He had four goals in the month of December for the Pittsburgh Penguins. None of them came at five on five. He had three power play goals and he had one empty netter. Now he still has 33 points in 32 games this season. He's on a 38 goal pace. But Jake Gensel is in a scoring drought. We talked about it last week with scoring drought with certain players. Because he scored four goals in December, it isn't technically counted as a drought because he he spread them out. But when you realize he hasn't scored at five on five on an actual goaltender, that's when you know you're in a little bit of a pickle with Jake Gensel on the top line. And to be totally honest, this whole top line is not good right now, and it might be good to give give it the little switch. Sidney Crosby hasn't scored a point since... uh since coming back from break, and he's a minus six. Yeah. What happened to the defense of Sidney Crosby? Jake Cancel hasn't scored a goal in, I believe, it's five games now. Um, and obviously you mentioned the four in December. That doesn't sound like a 50-goal pace like we all were expecting. Sure, 38's good, don't get me wrong, but the expectations are higher. Mm-hmm. You know, and we don't. And when we don't see it, that hurts us. And I didn't realize he hadn't scored on five on five. Yikes. Um... And then Raquel picked up an assist. Oh, by the way, Jeff Carter was given credit for that goal. Oh, uh, was he? Yes. Okay. Uh, if you watch the play, actually, it's a really good stick handle move. And um, yeah, I mean, good on him. But that play is just extremely smart from P.O. Joseph anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, and then Ricard Raquel picked up an assist somewhere along the way. So he's been producing no matter where he is. I think dropping him to the second is fine. At, at this point... I'll do any change that helps this team get pushed in the right direction. I get we don't like seeing Raquel get taken away from Crosby and Gensel, but like you said, hey, maybe move Gensel if you need to. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing, though. 
I don't know who you're putting up at the top line. Jason Zucker? Eh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Yeah. 2019 we... seems so long ago that I forgot how good he was with Sidney Crosby. We've gotten so used to Jason Zucker not being good for two seasons and then finding a good chemistry with Malkin that we kind of totally forgot the reason why we brought him here in the first place. Um, I say if the trend with Gensel continues for a couple games, you're right. It, that is exactly the move you should make. It just took me a while to remember what had happened pre-pandemic because, by God, that was three years ago now. You mentioned, yeah, that, and you said, oh, maybe if, if the trend persists with Jake Gensel, Mike Sullivan, you want him to trust his gut more. You've said that on this show several times. Well, his gut's telling him there needs to be a change in the top six. Make that the change. And and Jake on Twitter, uh, Jake D, I, I don't remember his whole handle. I think it's 8771 or something like that. He posted this lineup, which was Zucker, Crosby, Raquel, Gensel, Malkin, Rust. Why don't you run that through? Because... We've also seen Gensel, Malkin, Rust in the past be a very good line. Now, the biggest question mark for the Penguins on that top line, I know you mentioned it, was Gensel isn't scoring and they're not playing well defensively. Crosby's a minus six. And yes, of the top six, who's the one guy that plays the penalty kill? Brian Rust, because he's defensively responsible. So you try to get him up there, a little bit of better defensive impact, but I think when you see the way that Crosby and Raquel work together, yes, Raquel and Malkin work together fine, but you can't be afraid to switch things up on the left side there. You cannot be afraid to throw Jason Zucker up there with Crosby and Raquel and give that a little bit of runway because if you get to the point when you're play in the playoffs and Jake Gensel's still struggling and you want to switch things up, that's not the time to have Zucker join Crosby for the first time since 2020. The time is... In the middle of the season, when these games, yes, important, but less important than what game one or game five of the Stanley Cup playoffs is going to be. So make a change. Don't be afraid to make a change and make sure that you get every single combination that you can with a little bit of ice time there because you might need to switch things around in the postseason and you don't want to be throwing guys out there that don't have the chemistry. Yeah, not not at all. It's a tough move to make, but... You know, it's good that Mike Sullivan's going to start, tr- hopefully he's going to start trusting his gut, gut a little more, throwing people the right people out at the right time in overtime, say, in shootouts, say, um, and adjusting lines as need be. Mm-hmm. Putting Carter on the wing, hopefully that does end up working out. I mean, like I said, Carter got credit for that goal, and even if he didn't, he would have picked up an assist. Yeah. Um. Then there's Bluger at center, Buddy needs to score a goal. By God, I get he's a fourth liner, but bye, do something. And then once we get a healthy defense, see what we look like without Brian Dumoulin. You know, it's I, I for one, am surprised we made it through the new year and a trade hasn't been made yet. If you really want to get deep into it, I'm a little surprised. Mm -hmm. Uh, But part of that makes me wonder if. I mean, the rumor has been that Kapanen's the one on the block. Did you end up paying him too much? Is that what it was? No one wants to take the deal? I wonder why. Or well, Dumoulin just, if if it's him, I mean, he can say no. And uh, money, and also not good. <laughs> There's, I'm just kind of surprised it's taken this long that nothing's happened. Although well, Nothing's happened across the league, really. Exactly. The trade market in the National Hockey League right now is slower than molasses. Like, nobody is making moves 
at the moment. Nobody's making trades at the moment. Normally, we see around mid-December one or two trades that start to kick things off, but nobody's made a move. And once there's a move made, it opens up different things because that's just how the NHL trade market works. But we're in January already. There really hasn't been any trades and the Penguins are still looking for one. So if there's nothing to to really grade amongst everything else on the market, uh, it's hard to make a deal. So will Ron Hextall be the first person to to break open that market? We don't know. We know as far as we know he's attempting to. Uh, and you mentioned two names there. One that has definitely been uh, thrown out there on the trade talks, and that's Kasperi Kapanen. One that has only been thrown out there by... Uh, fans not pundits and that's brian doomlin but we're going to take a quick break here at the tip of the iceberg when we come back we continue to talk a little bit about the winter classic as we break down the game and also give our pittsburgh penguins 2023 new year's resolutions stick around Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Horwat, I'm jacked up to watch the Winter Classic today. I am sad that I wasn't able to, to make my way to Boston for this game. I wanted to do it for a long time, but, uh, you know, it's all right. That's fine, because we're going to get to watch it on TNT, uh, Biz, and Talk It, and Liam McHugh. Uh, all the gang is going to be there. I saw that the 32 Thoughts guys were on the Green Monster doing a podcast, which would have honestly been, you know, bucket list thing that I didn't even think about until just now. Um, but the Pittsburgh Penguins will be taking on, no joke, the best team in the National Hockey League in the Boston Bruins. The Penguins have lost four straight games heading into this one, and the Bruins have lost eight games on the season, including only four in regulation. Uh, this is the first matchup between these two teams since November 1st, where the Pittsburgh Penguins blew a 5-2 lead on home ice, losing 6-5 in overtime on the back of a Hampus Lindholm overtime goal. But I thought the Pittsburgh Penguins matched up well against them in the midst of their worst stretch of the season. If we all remember, that was lost five of the historic seven-game losing streak. The Penguins head into this one on a four-game losing streak, but that game was the beginning of a better play that turned them around. Can this be the same thing at Fenway Park on January 2nd, 2023? Horat, what say you? Oh boy, do they need it. Do they need it. It's it's kind of gotten a little ugly, especially like, like we mentioned in these four games. It's, you know, sure, we're going to play the Hurricanes a couple of times and lose them because they are just as good of a team. But the fact that during that losing streak, we were able to play Boston, play them well, steal a point not maybe not steal a point i don't remember exactly how we lost the game but it was brutal you, you give up a five to two lead you, you ah. should have had, had both yep okay yeah so don't do that but um able to collect a point on paper like i said able to collect a point against the boston bruins who boy howdy that, that record's disgusting um mm -hmm. looking back on paper you were able to pull a point out now you're going to Boston, and it's not TD Garden. You got that under. You got that going for you. Um, it's Fenway. It is outdoors. It is the national stage. It is a big game. A ton of these guys have played outdoors before, too, thanks to the NHL just continuously adding outdoor games in, force-feeding all of them to you. Um, 
so this isn't a new experience for a ton of the guys and i guess that's good that's a good start um whereas you can force yourself to look at it as another game now Mm -hmm. because mike sullivan said this is you know one of those lifetime opportunities for the for the guys which you're right it is you don't know if you're going to get another one but man let's just be honest most of these guys are going to get another one just the way just and not by way of the penguins getting another one but just by the by how the nhl is and giving so many teams and just giving out so many outdoor games and i know they've cut them back recently thank god mm-hmm. but i mean if you say one of these players gets traded to a canadian team or goes to a canadian team well you got a one in six chance of getting one every year because of the heritage classic um or you just happen to go to a team that doesn't have one yet because they're trying to give everyone one. Mm-hmm. So you guys can look at this as a just another two points, and that's exactly what they need to do. You, you're the time to reminisce and soak it in was yesterday. Mm. I'm gonna be honest, that was yesterday. It'll be nice for maybe a couple of seconds whenever the other team is out there with you, and you're standing in front of a full crowd at Fenway. But it's time to focus on two points against the best team in the league and do what you can do get your get yourself back on the in the win column and take an important two points as once again we're slipping down the standings mm-hmm. yeah the pittsburgh penguins in my opinion need this win to turn their season into what it needs to be um i i think that when you look at how december went they were one of the hottest teams throughout the entire month of december and then they just ran out of gas and when they ran out of gas, they broke down like a 2000 like Honda Civic. It, it was it was not pretty at the end of the month of December. But 2023 is a year in which you're going to need, and we'll get into New Year's resolutions here in a little bit, is a year in which you're going to need to perform at your peak to stay on this team. Because if your name's not Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and you don't have a contract that was signed last season... Rust, Raquel, even Gensel's probably safe. Changes could happen. Tristan Jari doesn't perform, they could go out and get another goaltender. If Kapanen doesn't perform, they're going to get rid of him. They're going to buy him out. I I promise you that much, especially with Jack Johnson's buyout clause going from $1.9 million this year on the cap hit to $900,000 next year. They will not be afraid to buy out that last year of Kasperi Kapanen. (laughs) They won't bring back Danton Heinen. They won't bring back Ryan Paling. I don't remember what his contract is off the top of my head. RFA. So a lot of these guys could be playing for a job. Jason Zucker playing for a job. Jeff Carter. You know, that contract seems indomitable, but it might not be. Now it's going to be a tough assignment. You mentioned the Boston Bruins. You're not playing a TD Garden, which is good because the Bruins haven't lost a TD Garden in regulation. Got that going for you. 18-0-3. And the Pittsburgh Penguins historically have not played well at TD Garden. But luckily, they've never lost at Fenway Park. Well, the Pirates have a couple of times, but... (laughs) Well, the Pirates are the Pirates. (laughs) But when you go into this, obviously, you're taking on a Boston Bruins team that is... We mentioned, you you said the 18-0-3, the the top team in the National Hockey League with uh, 60 60 standings points. Uh, But also, they're second highest in the NHL in goals per game. 3.78. 3.78. They are number one in the NHL in goals allowed per game. 2.19. They have, you know, their power play is kind of struggling. They're sixth in the National Hockey League, which is the worst statistic I'm going to bring up here. And uh, we said the Penguins penalty kill is pretty good. 
Well, the Boston Bruins penalty kill is number one in the National Hockey League right now. When did that happen? The Penguins had it for a little bit. Well, the Penguins also gave up a power play goal to the New Jersey Devils, and the Boston Bruins just shut down somebody on some Saturday, I believe. Um, but yes, that's where they stand at the current moment. It's not going to be an easy one. But the one thing I want to ask you, Hora, before we get into New Year's resolutions, you've been to a lot of the Penguins outdoor games. All of them except for this one. This is the first one I'm not going to, and I'm, ah, you know what? I'm sad about it, but it is what it is. You know. <laughs> yes. But the question I have for you, Horwat, is how much of a home advantage it really is there? That's, ooh. See, in the away ones, like all of the ones we've played on the road in Philly, Chicago, maybe not so much Buffalo, because uh, that was the first one, the first Winter Classic in 08, that was just a spectacle. I don't think there really was a home advantage for anyone. <clears throat> it really, truly felt like a... Like, I get it was in Buffalo at Ralph Wilson, but it felt more of an event. It was, this feels more neutral because it is outdoors. It is the first time we're doing something like this. Um, it just felt like there wasn't a home ice advantage. So normally I would say, it overall, it feels like there isn't much of a home ice advantage, but then you look at how kind of not good the Penguins have been in these games. Uh, they've never, uh, the, the first one they won on the road. But like in Chicago, they got beat down bad in terrible weather. Mm -hmm. Philadelphia, they had a chance to close it out, but Matt Murray couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And we lost our top two defensemen. Thanks, Wayne Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> On like the same play, I remember. Um, yeah, Wayne Simmons like neck tackled Chris Letang after. And then dummied Dumoulin. Brian Dumoulin. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. I would say there really isn't too much home ice advantage. Mm -hmm. I mean, who knows what Fenway's going to do, because every time it's just a spectacle. Uh, the Heinz Field game, not the classic, but the Stadium Series one that we went to, it felt like we had real home ice advantage. Don't know what it was. Maybe it was because we were in the midst of a back-to-back -back cup run. Um, the team was unreal, and we were just getting the best out of every player on the team that year. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say... The that was seventeen. The seventeen stadium series felt like the most home ice advantage out of all of them. Hmm. Uh, mostly because I just don't remember a lot about the second classic. I mean, I was there, yeah, but I just don't remember a bunch about. It. I remember it rained, mm -hmm. and every time I watch highlights of it, I'm like, oh yeah, Malkin scored, and the game was a lot closer than I remember. It ended um, up two to one, didn't it? Ah, uh, I thought it was like Some, three something. It, it was either two or three to one. Regardless, it was a close game, and the Penguins came out at the beginning. Obviously, nobody remembers anything about the game because of the, the, the larger impact, which was Sidney Crosby's neck um, yeah. in that one. But no, realistically, there's one much less of a home ice advantage than any actual NHL game, mm -hmm. especially at TD Garden, because the fans are 50 yards away in every direction. Now, I don't know how loud it's going to get. It, it seemed like it got loud at Heinz Field. That's the only outdoor game I went to was the stadium series against the Philadelphia Flyers that you were talking about. It seemed loud, but also, let's not mince words here, I was drunk and I was amongst the crowd. So mm -hmm. I don't know how it felt for the players on the ice. Uh, I don't know what it felt like at ice level. I don't know how loud it was at ice level. Um, but I, I do understand that a lot of these guys say it doesn't feel like... A road game. It feels like a neutral site game for a lot of these guys. So it's going to be interesting to see 
what Fenway's crowd is like. We all know Boston uh, crowds can get crazy, can get wild. Uh, obviously, look no further than when Kyrie Irving returned to the to TD Garden to face the Celtics for the first time, or basically every single time he goes to Boston at this point. Um, Boston fans are tough on opposing teams. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Penguins adapt to that and see if there's something to adapt to. But uh, regardless, it's going to be a great game. I, I, I really do believe that. I think the Pittsburgh Penguins usually rise to the challenge um, in these in these spots. And I'm excited to see uh, all the sights and sounds of Fenway. The jerseys, I thought, looked really cool uh, yesterday when they went out to do the um, the pictures and stuff like that. I'm excited to see what it looks like with the bucket, see how it completes the look. And also, I, I want to ask you this, Horwat, because it was actually out there on some social clips from the NHL. Two-part question. One, do you remember who the first player was to score in the Winter Classic? Colby Armstrong. Colby Armstrong. And 20 sec seconds in. <laughs> and, and secondly, who will be the first player to score in this game today, 2 p.m. Eastern? Ah, who will be the first? That's, well, that's a good question. Um... I'm gonna, you know what? Just because we did all this talking about him getting taken off the first line and how uh, he needs to find a goal because it's been a few games, I'm gonna go Jake Ensel just because. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a little confidence in this Penguins team rolling in on a four-game skid, finding something different about themselves for this game and taking full advantage of the opportunities they're given. Mm -hmm. I don't know what negatives you can draw about the Bruins right now because you tried there's not many there's, there's they're they're fairly damn impenetrable at this moment maybe we find a way to get the old Linus Allmark to come out I don't know I find it also really funny that the Bruins weren't supposed to be this that I saw the uh, initial promos for the Winter Classic it was Sidney Crosby and Jeremy Swayman mm -hmm. they sent Jeremy Swayman to media day that's how not good the Bruins were supposed to be this year <laughs> You can't send injured players to media day, and their best players were all injured. You could send your captain who's going into his final season, regardless of how healthy it is. Patrice Bergeron, you can send him. Everyone knows who that is. It isn't about, don't give me its injury. I don't care. I mean, maybe that's part of the NHL media thing, whatever. Mm -hmm. But you send your notable names, whether they're in, unless they're out for the season, you send your notable players. That's okay. just me. You don't send your... You don't send your goalie who ended up being your backup. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I digress. I just thought it was funny that I saw those promos and went, that's Jeremy Swayman. He's not going to play in that game. Yeah, it was a decent promo, though. I like yeah, it. Fine. Yeah, fine. You know, respect your elders, kid. Let's yeah. go. I like it. Um, but my <laughs> my pick before we had to break really quickly here, uh, I think Jason Zucker scores the, the opening goal. I like it. For the Penguins. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, no, he scores the first goal of the game. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I was saying, what I would too. Say. Uh, and I think there's probably pretty good odds on that. Uh, Got to go check that out. Um, maybe make some money today on, on New Year's Day 2nd. It's weird. It's the first time the Winter Classic has been played on the 2nd. It's, it's they didn't strange. want to battle with the NFL, and that's totally Un fine. Which is understandable. So I saw a lot of people complaining about that. Like, why is the game getting played today? I'm like, clearly, you're not watching football, but everybody the else is. The same reason that none of the New Year's 6 bowl games, historic games, were played on New Year's Day. They usually balance out between New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. So that's why. Like, Penn State's playing the Rose Bowl today. Like, come on, guys. The Rose Bowl is on. How about Ohio State losing 
at the ball at the drop of the ball that was that's so incredible ridiculous. that's ridiculous but um uh we digress on that point um we're gonna come back after the break and we're gonna talk about pittsburgh penguins new year's resolutions for 2023 we'll be right back Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We got New Year's resolutions for you, actually, for the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2023. Horowat, you got three, I have two, so I'll let you lead off, sir. Uh, what is your first New Year's resolution for this Pittsburgh Penguins team? Yeah, I got three here. I'm going to switch one up because I also wrote a story about this. But <clears throat> I'm going to start mine off with, well, we talked about it a lot, so we don't have to go too deep into detail. Uh Something's got to change with that bottom six. Something's got to give. Either, you know, we said the trademark has been pretty dry so far, but um, whether it be a move, whether it be a lineup change, uh, something's got to jumpstart it and pull some production. Not even not even consistency, just some production uh, out of whoever may be down there. You know, I don't mind Jeff Carter on the wing, but let's if it doesn't work, put him back, figure something out, and go from there. Um, it's up to the players to jumpstart themselves. It's not about lineup configurations anymore. Something's got to get in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first resolution actually goes kind of hand in hand with it. And it's, you know, get younger, deeper in the lineup. You need to get a little bit younger. You need to get a little bit faster. You need to instill some of that speed into the bottom half of your lineup. Because even though they're a little bit older, you can see that Jason Zucker, Evgeny Malkin, they can play fast games at points, but they also have the talent and ability to slow the game down for both sides of the ice. They, they can control the puck, control possession, whereas the bottom six, listen, they can be very good when they want to be. We saw that in that long stretch in December where this team was just absolutely phenomenal. They need a little bit more speed and a little bit more youth in the bottom half of that lineup. I like Josh Archibald when he's in. He brings some speed. He brings some grit. But also, you know, give Valtteri Pustin a look. We haven't seen him all season. He's been doing pretty good from what I've seen in Wilkes-Barre. We'll have to get a report from somebody that's actually watched more of the games than we have. Um, get Philip Hollander another opportunity. Keep Bluger at 3C for a little while. I like that change. That's one thing that I like. I, I like seeing that a little bit. And on the defensive side, I want to see some more of Ty Smith. You know, there were flashes of that game on Friday that I really liked. I'd like to see him get more of an opportunity. So... More youth, more speed down low in the lineup, both on the defense and on the offensive side. Horat, what's your second New Year's resolution? Uh, number two, I, I'm sure this was a resolution last year too, but can we find a way to stay healthy, guys? Just mm. Every year. Every year, it's I one of the it resolutions. Three, three straight years, and we've said that. One of us. Yeah, have. I'm sure. Just because, in this one, it feels a little different because we had that stretch where it was, okay, we've hit our longest full health stretch since the turn of the decade or the turn of the century i should say um yeah so it's been 22 years we've been struggling with this and now as we go into 2023 we're coming in already battered and bruised with a minor league call up as much as we want to say ty smith is an nhl player he's a minor league call up on this team right now in the lineup and mark friedman and chad ruwiel's not even in this is a brutal defense right now where it needs to be figured out who's staying and who's going and when all is healthy if that ever happens. Um, hopefully there's a different look, but for now, find a way to stay healthy because 
the inconsistencies that come to a lineup with injuries is what makes it tough. I mean, thankfully, knock on wood, our, our main guys have been able to stay healthy for the most part. Um, the fact that Chris Letang was able to come back after only five games after a stroke, which, by the way, is still nutty. Mm-hmm. Far down the line, you're going to look at Chris Letang's stats, see that he only missed five games and not realize it was a stroke. Think of that. And, yeah, just keeping guys healthy because um, it just creates lineup inconsistencies whenever you have to keep swapping names in and out. Mm-hmm. Horward, I don't think I'm reinventing the wheel when I say that I want the Pittsburgh Penguins to win another Stanley Cup with Sidney Crosby of Getty Malkin. But I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to put that pressure on them, Ricky Bobby. I'm going to say win a dang playoff series. It's exactly what my number three was, too. Yep, win a playoff series. The last time the Pittsburgh Penguins won in the postseason, four games out of seven, was 2018 against the Philadelphia Flyers. Guess what year it is, Horwat? It's 2023. Five years without a single playoff series victory. That's unacceptable. <laughs> it really is. You need to win one of these series. And the fact is, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they got embarrassed against the New York Islanders in the first year they played them. They lost in the second year despite deserving to win that one. They just didn't put it together, and Tristan Jari looked like Swiss cheese. And last year, they should have beaten the New York Rangers. But you know what? They didn't. And ifs and buts, they don't count. Close doesn't count. This isn't horseshoes. This isn't hand grenades. This is the Stanley Cup playoffs. Win four of seven get through the first round, and at that point, honestly, it feels like if you get past the first round and you get that off your back, then you might have a chance to go a little bit further. You might have a chance to go get that Stanley Cup. Once these guys get that momentum back, get that feeling of winning in the playoffs back, maybe that's what happens, but I'm not asking that. What I'm asking for as a New Year's resolution in 2023, win a single playoff series at least, because from what I've seen this year, Yes, they had a seven-game losing streak. Yes, they have a four-game losing streak right now. This team, I genuinely believe, can skate with anyone in a best-of-seven series. No matter def- what team they're going up against, especially in the Eastern Conference, I think they can skate with anyone. I think they can play anybody tough, and I think that they can genuinely take four of seven from anybody in this league if they're playing to their potential. They're not doing it right now, but uh, but I think that when they do, I, I think they're a team that can can beat anybody in this league, so they need to go out there and show it in 2023. We've definitely proven we can keep up with teams. It's mm. a matter of closing it out. We've proven we can keep up with the Hurricanes. They're probably the best team in the Metro. <clears throat> We've proven at least once so far, maybe we'll see it again tonight, today, uh, that we can keep up with the Boston Bruins, who are the top team in the league. Mm-hmm. And we've beaten the Leafs already, even though they've wrecked us a couple of times. Um, who else is good? <laughs> who else is good right now? This team, This league's weird. We've beaten Vegas. Um, let me try and find the standings. Tampa. We've beaten Tampa. Beat them handily, too. It was, that was early. Ba- that but, was the second game of the season, but yes. But handily. Uh, we got to Dallas. They're the top team in the Central. Mm-hmm. Um, Edmonton, we, you know. But, you know, we're beating the good teams. We're keeping up with the good teams. Mm-hmm. It's now a matter of closing out against the great teams. And yeah. Boston and Carolina the devils are still up there, but they're falling back to earth. See, yeah, I looked into that a little bit more. They're falling back to earth, but they deserved a lot better in a lot of those games. So did we then? No, no. Some of the games the Penguins lost, they deserved exactly what they got. The, the, the New Jersey Devils, the way that they, they've played and they just haven't gotten the bounces 
and we won't, we're not a devil's podcast, but like they're still playing very, very high level hockey. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just to, young and they have to learn how to win those games sometimes. Yeah, they're taking advantage. And but the, when you look at the numbers, though, regardless of uh, you know, deserve the deserve to win o meter for the Devils again, we're not a we're not a Devils podcast. You've managed to win 13 straight still. I mean, yeah, five of those in a row were one goal games. That's quite entertaining. Uh, but still, they know apparently if, if you look at it, they do know how to win these games regardless of age. A couple yes. of those were overtime games too. Yes, but like doing it over an extended period of time. One win streak is, you know, in the NHL you can you can go on a win streak. You can do that. That's fine. Once that cookie crumbles, what are you able to do? And we're seeing it from the Devils. They're playing well. They're just not getting over that hump uh like they were early in the season. They just need to regain that form. Um but with that, those are our 2023 Pittsburgh Penguins New Year's resolutions, we promised you five. We technically gave you four. Genuinely, Horwat, I'm sorry to say this. I did not read your article, so I did not know that you had uh, Penn's win a playoff series in there. No big deal. But um, listen, that just emphasizes how big of a, of a resolution that is. Win the playoff series. Both of us thought of it, and I'm sure that you thought of it as well out there listening to this, is you know what? If they're going to do anything, win a freaking playoff series. Yeah, everybody wants to w- see them win the Stanley Cup, but... It's been a long time since we've seen them on the right side of the handshake line. Baby steps. Got to start somewhere. Got to make the playoffs first. And this isn't an easy year to do it, especially in our division. So start with making the playoffs and then make that first goal happen. Yep. Exactly. But let's finish off this episode with our weekly Pens poll. Last week, we asked you, the Penguins faithful, which player's performance are you most concerned about this season? This was not even close, um, and I think people were just posting who they think has played the worst this season, uh, which is fine. Take it how you will. Uh, that's always what we like to see. Uh, Brian Dumlin had 87% of the vote here. Um, this was not a you know, one or two situation. There were four options to choose from. Uh, Brian Dumlin had 87% of the vote. Danton Heinen had seven. Kasperi Kapanen had three, and other... Which, again, if you're voting other and not telling us who you're talking about, when we tell you, please comment below. Basically, don't count your your, your picks. But other had 3% as well. Horwat, which of these players' performances are you most concerned about? And why do you believe that everybody thinks it's Brian Dumlin? Okay, so I everybody believes it's Brian Dumlin. And, and because I think the wording of your question is fun. You said most, what did you say, disappointing? Most con- uh, what, concerning. What performance are you most concerned about? People are concerned about Brian Dumoulin because we keep putting him in the lineup in big situations. Yeah. That's the concern. No one is surprised that he's not this, that he's been this uh, negative to the team, but everyone's concerned that we keep putting him out there. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's a proper way to answer the question. Um, most of all, I would say I'm most disappointed in Danton Heinen because he was supposed to be the guy that got the Kasperi Kapanen contract, and now he's getting healthy scratched like Kasperi mm-hmm. Kapanen. Um, for what it's worth, though, at least he's making his $1 million. Yeah. But <clears throat> I think either of those would be good answers, just because uh, whereas Danton Heinen isn't concerning, we at least know he'll get taken out of the lineup if it's, you know, if it gets to that situation, he'll be out mm-hmm. again. Uh, it is concerning seeing Brian Dumoulin still in the lineup in big situations. I get right now you have to keep him in. We don't, we literally don't have any other defensive options on the NHL roster, mm-hmm. uh, and that's fine. 
That's fine. And I think for what it's worth in that game against the Devils, I, I put the numbers away. Um, he seemed to be okay. The people love I mean, the. Whenever I say people, I mean uh, the announcers seem to love the way he uh, is giving up the body on the penalty kill. I mean that's great that he does it, but if he misses, well, he's out of the play. Um, but that being said, he has his benefits. He can still do something. It is a matter of putting it together and not looking like a circus sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel for the guy because he's been here forever and can honestly be looked at as one of the better defensemen to ever play for this team. But these last few years are ruining that kind of uh, legacy. When I look at this question, and, I, you know, maybe it's the phrasing, but again, you know, we asked, what are you most concerned about? That's what people voted. I believe it's Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, because in my opinion, I look at this question, I say, which of these players was I expecting to be the best this season of the three? That's Kasperi Kapanen, in my opinion. And why am I most concerned about Kapanen? Because at the end of the year, if if Dumoulin and Heinen don't get their act together, you can just let them walk. Sperry Kapanen has a $3.2 million contract that extends through the next offseason. And he has not been underperforming for the most part, other than a four-game stint after he came back into the lineup and the first five-game stint of the season. He's been just invisible. And that's not what you want Kasperi Kapanen to be. You want him to be a guy that was traded to be here. First round pick you sent the other way. Philip Hollander you sent the other way. You want him to be here, and you want him to be a top six contributor. That's out the window. I'm most concerned about his career. The 20, well, He's 25 years old, and at this point, it seems like he is never going to be anything more than a middle-of-the-road third liner, where he was expected to be potentially a top-line winger. I'm the most concerned about Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, Brian Dumlin, I'm not concerned about. Um, because he's a 31-year-old that's had several major injuries. He's had a nice career, but at this moment, his career is winding down. He might get one more contract. Unless he signs one-year deals, then he might get a a couple. But, you know, his best days are behind him. I understand that. I'm not concerned about that. I know what's going to happen there. If the Penguins continue to put him higher in the lineup, like second pairing, third pairing, or first pairing, then I'm concerned about Mike Sullivan. I'm not concerned about Brian Dumlin. I know what he's going to give. You know, and the same thing with Danton Heinen. You know, he is who he is. He's never thought of, been thought of as a top line winger. He's never been thought of as a surefire top six guy. He's a bottom six guy and he's just having a down year. Will he bounce back next year? Maybe. But at $1 million in one year, you can cut bait. Honestly, you could bury that contract. You could send him on waivers and somebody picks him up. And at this moment, I'm not concerned about it but I'm most concerned about Kasperi Kapanen, where he's at in his career and what his contract looks like for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, that's all totally fair. So with that said, we have about four and a half hours to puck drop at Fenway Park. I'm going to try to get this out early enough that people can actually have time to listen to it. I will will, will hustle with this, Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg happy new year to you all hope everybody has a great 2023 we're certainly hoping you spend some of it with us here at the tip of the iceberg podcast and at inside the that's going to do it for this one enjoy the winter classic pens fans we'll see you guys later